There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into another one. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with you. And uh, hard to believe here we are halfway through the year. So uh, that means it is time to do, it is really our second annual, I guess, but uh, talk about best albums of the year so far and uh, get into a few records here that has come out so far in uh, 2021 that are just uh, just excellent, you know, front to back, just uh, modern masterpieces. If you if you'll uh, if you want. And then again, though, you know, time time really does tell, and I and I've realized this because I was never an album of the year kind of guy up until I started doing the radio show. I mean, obviously, you think of your favorite albums of the year, but doing like a top ten list per se, like. I've always had a few of like my favorites, but more of like a top three, like to really think of like a top 10. But I realized the more that I kind of analyze like my listening habits or like, you know, what my favorites of the year and stuff are, I do realize that as I look back at like my top 10s of say like the last five years of uh, doing the radio show, like it does change. And like, I, I don't know, I don't know that I like hate any records. It's not like I would like retract anywhere. I'm like, Oh, I can't stand it anymore. That album. But it's like, I will say I do see somewhere. I'm like, Ooh, you know, actually maybe like my number nine might be like my number one. And maybe even like my number, you know, hell, like maybe number three, I maybe I wouldn't have that on there. You know, maybe I don't hate it, but it might not even be on my top 10 list. If I did like a, you know, that, that would be fun sometime. Maybe do, like, revised lists for years, you know? I mean, maybe it's still a little too new now, but, like, down the road, go go do, like, look at my top ten lists that I've done, uh, including for the radio show, uh, doing, like, countdowns that I did, you know, long, long before doing the podcast, and just, like, you know, a revised one. Go, this is... These were the albums I thought were the best in 2017, in 2017, but this, these are the best albums from 2017, and, you know... 2020 whatever you know that that I do it but maybe I'll do that sometime but yeah uh this one we are doing um some of my favorite albums of the year so far and uh, there's been some good music this year and uh you know I mean last year obviously ended up being a pretty good year for music uh you know I mean obviously with uh everything going on not good for promotion or uh you know concerts or anything like that but uh, as far as the amount of good music, I mean, tons and tons. We're we're still, I mean, uh, last week's guest, John Easdale of Dramarama, you know, if you listen to that one, uh, talking about Color TV that they put out last year, you know, a lot of bands too like that, I feel like, put out records who uh, hadn't in years. You know, that was their first one in 15 years. Uh, Jason from uh, The Suicide Machines, we had him on last year, and they put out their first new record in like 15 years. Uh, you know, and, and all these bands putting them out who are putting out amazing, amazing music uh, years and years after not putting anything out. So, you know, hopefully uh, if you listen to that one, you enjoyed it. If you haven't yet, go back and check that out and check out their album, too. But, yeah, 2020 uh, had, again, very, very shitty year, I think goes without saying. But, uh, you know, pretty good music, pretty good music. And uh, 2021, I would say overall has uh, been pretty good. I don't feel like, though, I will say, 
I I feel like around this time last year, I feel like I had more albums where I would feel very definite that it's like, oh, this one's going to be on my top 10 or this will be in my, you know, top whatever. I feel like this year I have less albums like that. I have a lot of albums that I really, really like, but I have, if you know what I mean? Like, if that makes any sense, like I really, really like a lot of them, but there's still some, and not all of them. I mean, there's a few in here. I won't tell you yet till I get into them, but like there's a few where I go, oh, definitely that that's going to sit up there. Like that's my favorite or going to be one of my favorites. But there are some albums where it's like, I really like this, but I'm like, I'm surprised there's not more to rival it. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I kind of, even even when getting albums for this one uh, ready, it's like, cause, you know, I don't want to do too many. I don't make it like three hours talking about uh, my favorite albums of the year. But, you know, a nice, a nice like hand, you know, uh, a handful of uh, artists and albums and stuff to talk about. And uh, yeah, I feel like it was it was easier this year than last year to do the uh, you know like best of so far kind of thing, but uh, I do have I do have here quite a few records, so we will uh, get into them. And uh, I'm I'm having fun. This is my uh, second pod of the night. I'm recording this actually Sunday morning because this is 1 a.m. now. But uh, if you if you checked it out, I I did a little bonus. Power Record Hour episode uh, with Kyle Steven, my buddy Kyle, and uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket Turn 20 on Saturday, so we could just kind of talk about that record, and uh, not even really a rundown, like, you know, like, not like track by track, though we did end up, Kyle figured it out, I, I didn't even realize it till he mentioned it, but we did kind of talk a little bit about every song, but not like an order sequence, not like one of our album rundowns, but uh, I did that earlier in the night that I'm recording this, right, that I'm recording this. Uh, I did it earlier in the night with him, then left the studio, went and got some coffee, came back, and is now currently 1.08 a.m., and uh, that coffee is uh, kicking in, and I am ready to talk uh, new music. But uh, yeah, I mean, this this is the other thing, too, is maybe you've... I like doing this, too, because it reminds me what's been out so far in the last six months, because I do. I, I... you know, I have people who send me music to play on the podcast and the radio show. You know, you get you get stuff sent to you. You get things available to you that I go looking for. You know, I actively look for new music and stuff. Like, there's new music being thrown at me left and fucking right. So, like, it's very easy. And actually, I was just talking about this to Kyle after we did the Blink episode. I was sitting on the uh, comfortable couch that is in the uh, studio in here that I'm not on right now, but I wouldn't mind being on because goddamn it is comfortable. But uh, but anyways, talking to him about that and uh, just about like how much new music that I digest that like there are times where I think I, I don't know, maybe jaded is the wrong word, but I don't know. I'll use it because I can't think of another one. But like you just kind of become jaded on it where it's like I'm listening to new music all the time where like the albums themselves I never get to give a full chance. You know, like I'm listening to a few songs here and there and it's like maybe I don't give it enough time to grow, you know, because it's like if I hear a few songs in, I'm kind of like, well, I'm either in or I'm out. Whereas, you know, sometimes an album takes a few listens to really grow on you, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes I'll overlook things, but you know, six months in, I'm just listening to so much that I kind of like doing this cause it reminds me some of my favorites, you know, when I start to, you know, really think about what my favorites have been and, uh, also nice, you know, hopefully I uh, spread the word on a few that maybe you haven't heard, you know I mean? A lot of these bands I've probably talked about in our monthly rundowns and stuff, but actually this band, I, I know I didn't because I discovered them, uh, uh, later on. 
But uh, I, I think I've talked about them a little bit on here. I don't know. I, I play them a good amount on the radio show. So, I mean, I've been talking a lot about on there. I don't know how much I've talked about them. But uh, first record, and I got to say, I mean, check this out. This one, this one I'm pretty strong on, on probably being, being up there in my uh, top ten by the end of the year. But a band by the name of Liquids and uh, their album Life is Pain Idiot, a uh, great, great album title. And uh, this one came out back in January, so started. Uh, it was like I think maybe even like January thirty first, so like the last. Uh, the last, funny enough, two of my favorite records: one on uh, the first day of January, first of the uh, new year, and then the other like on the last uh, day. But anyways, this is uh, if you've not heard this band, I mean, I, I feel like too. What I love is, and, and obviously you can't see it now because this is a podcast. And uh, not a video one, but if you go look up a picture of the uh, album art, it's like the name of the band, the name of the album, the album artwork, like all of it just fits so well together for uh, for this record. I mean, like, like let me let me put it this way: the record has twenty seven songs on it, and it's forty three minutes. Like, it's just it it just everything about it, everything about that just works with with the uh, record but it's just really fun like fast kind of hardcore punk I would say I'd say like very kind of 80s hardcore reminiscent of like you know Black Flag Misfits uh, you know kind of things like that but like really done in a good way because I feel like I feel like that era and that genre's kind of been Including in the last, like I feel like in the 2010s, there were so many bad bands who who were like, you know, they were kind of like pseudo punk, but really kind of like indie bands who like kind, you know what I mean? They were like trying to sound like Black Flag or something, like try to sound something that was like 30 years older, but it just always, I shouldn't say always, because there are bands, there are examples of those bands who are actually pretty good, but there's more, I would say more than more of them were bad and just sounded like a novelty because it's just like, like, you know, it, it it was trying to sound like an era and a time and place when it's like that all sounded that way because it was released in the era. It did, you know what I mean? The production sounded like that because it was 1981 or, you know, that, that was all they had, or, you know, they didn't have a lot of money to record or whatever it is. And they just do this really shitty like replication of it. And uh, I, I think on this album, you hear the influence and you hear where it's like, oh, yeah. Because I do, I do actually, I would say this album could have been released 40 years ago. Like I think this album could have been released in 81 and uh, would have fit in with uh, what was coming out at that time. But uh, again, in a good, but that's what I mean, like in a good way. Like a lot of bands release things, it's like, no, that wouldn't have been put out. Or if it was, they would have been the really shitty local band and they ne- you never would have heard of them. Like they would have put out one like 45 and uh, broke up because no one would have liked them. But like you have a band like Liquids where it's like, oh yeah, you hear that and it's like, oh, they would have fit in. Like they're not like ripping off the, they would have been contemporaries with the bands that they sound like. And I would also say, I mean, outside, I know I keep kind of talking about like the, uh, 80s hardcore punk kind of uh, sound, but I also get a very heavy like exploding hearts vibe and also buzzcocks vibe. You know, very much uh, in the vocals. Funny too because they're a band from Indiana, but like I think the vocals, I don't, they don't sound straight up British, but I feel like there's a tinge 
And that's kind of the buzzcocks where, like, I feel like there's – and same with the Exploding Hearts where they, they had that too where, you know, they were a Portland band but, like, had that kind of, uh, you know, pseudo, like, British accent or whatever. And uh, I feel like there's – you kind of hear it on here. And I can't remember the name of uh, – of, of uh, him, but basically, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and actually I'll pull it up on a uh, band camp here, which you can go buy this on band camp. And, uh, but yeah, everything's played by like, uh, Matt by just Matt. And I know, I know he has other bands like, like, and it is the other thing I'll say. I randomly discovered this, uh, album and this band a few months ago on YouTube and like, and really like I got a props to YouTube because you do hear people you do hear other people who, who you know, I, I know I'm not special, and uh, actually it's not a bad way to find music these days to discover it, but it's like just finding random shit like in your recommended videos on the sidebar. Like, I don't know what I was watching or listening to on YouTube, but uh, again, going back to the album artwork, it's like I saw the thumbnail with the album artwork of the, of the you know, woman with the cigarette, and it was called Liquid's Life is Pain Idiot, and I'm like, all right, I'll check that out. Like, I'll listen to that, and... Uh, Right away. Now, I will say the funny thing is, at first, even though it is fitting for this music, there's two sides of this. It it either could have been really fun, like hardcore punk, or it could have been really bad, like Midwestern emo. How like all these bands now have these like stupid names, just ridiculous. Whether it's a pun or it's like like just something, and I, I kind of saw that that, that uh, the name and the art and everything, and I'm like, there's so many bands who like, and they'll kind of get you that though. Even though I'm calling them dumb names, though, sometimes you'll be like, oh, that band that has the weird fucking name and has a weird looking. 90s like polaroid you know album art cover and and like has a weird album title and shit and it's like oh you kind of you know it's kind of quirky and kind of clever but then you realize that's all the band has and the music itself is bullshit whereas with uh liquids here you know they're, they obviously have a sense of humor to them but the music like holds up you know what i mean like the music's actually good and that's the thing i like about them is like there are songs on here. They kind of remind me of the Pukes, which are a, a great man that just put out one record back in like 2016, I think, like five years ago. I caught them once. They opened for the Descendants in uh, Milwaukee back in uh, 2017. They're really, really good. But uh, my buddy Johnny put them out on Goodland Records, and uh, I mean, I highly recommend go find that the Pukes, uh, Revenge of the Pukes was the uh, Revenge of the Pukes. Go go find that. I mean, wherever you get music, man, camp, any, anywhere like that. It's a great record. But, like, anyway, like, on that one, it's, it's kind of the same deal. Like, lo-fi punk, a little less hardcore. The Pukes were a little less hardcore than this, uh, than Liquids are. But what I, like, the comparison is they both have, like, that Misfits influence, but it's, like, they don't fully commit to the bit like the Misfits do. You know what I mean? Like, they have songs on this record that like kind of get into that fiction, sci-fi, kind of even horror a little bit, like like of of you know lyrical lyrical content of like a misfit song. But their whole shit's not that. You know what I mean? It's not like that's their gimmick, but it's like they can kind of go back and forth of like songs where they use that imagery, but also can just write, you know, a straight up really great, you know, punk song. 
And, uh, you know, kind of the same, the Pukes did that very well. And I, I think Liquids kind of has, the Pukes are another one like that, where again, I mean, you know, just look at the name of the band. It's like, you know, they kind of had that cleverness to them, but they could back it up with, uh, with good music. And I got to say, there's a couple covers on this, uh, album. There is a meatloaf cover and there might even be another, I can't remember. I think there's another like classic rock cover. But the highlight, the cover that is a highlight, and I think one of the best songs on the record, is uh, Kisses Strutter. And it is so good. I will tell, and I mean, I you know how much I love the replacements. Uh, I would say this cover is on par with the replacements cover Black Diamond. And it's done in the same kind of vein. Like I said, like this record could have been released in like 81. Like, I mean, I, I think this band probably could have toured with the replacements like, you know, during the Twin Tone years. And uh, I, I think just the same spirit of a punk band really like shedding, shedding a new light on a Kiss song, you know, in like a different way than you would hear Kiss do it. And uh, absolutely love it. That is uh, one of the best, I, I would say, uh, songs on the record. But like again, there's 27 songs, and uh, and it's really it's really fun. You know, they don't. There's a few songs that I think clock in at like two something, maybe three minutes, but it's like there's a lot of like minute long, minute 30 songs. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm talking about a cover, but like my favorite song on the record that uh, isn't a, well, my favorite song on the record, uh, Don't Want to Get to Know You. That's another one. And like that one just comes and goes like just just short and sweet, really good. And I mean, I think that's like a minute something. And, uh, you know, but that's all you need. Like, that's, that's all you really like the band just cuts the fat out. Like it's, it's really just like simple and, uh, like even with the sound of it, cause it's like, it's a raw album. Like it's kind of lo-fi and raw. And again, sounds like it's been released in like 81, but it is produced enough in the sense that it doesn't sound like a shitty home recording. Like it's lo-fi, but not lo-fi in the way where it just sounds fucking terrible to listen to. Like, this is a good-sounding record in in terms of it, like, sonically. Like, you can listen to it. It doesn't hurt your ears, but it's still a really raw fucking record. You know what I mean? Like, it is it is a little more well, you know, it's like a better-sounding version of The Misfits. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, like there's songs on there where it's like a, a, a maybe little, like a clearer version of, like, a Walk Among Us you know, song, but, uh, yeah, I, I like this band. There's not a lot like there, like there's not a lot of info on them. I was getting to it earlier and I was kind of talking about how I discovered them on YouTube, but like, I kind of was seeing, uh, you know, Matt, Matt's name. I, I believe it was Matt, uh, who I believe he plays everything in liquids. Um, I, I just pulled that up. I know on a, on Bandcamp, I got kind of sidetracked there. Uh, yeah, performed by Matt and then tambourine recorded by Eric. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's two people on this whole record and, uh, he's just extremely talented and I guess he's in like, like other bands and stuff. I don't know if he normally does solo stuff. Like, I don't know his whole thing. I need to, I need to dwell into all his music cause I, I really love this, uh, album. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like really makes me too. And a couple of people have told me this, how good the Indiana music scene is and uh probably and really like specifically indianapolis and i think that's where liquids is uh from but apparently yeah there's some really good bands there which i love when music's coming out of place where you wouldn't you know like you wouldn't think about it you know what i mean indiana's not your first thought of like where are the like new up-and-coming bands but i mean this one right here is fucking great and uh like i said i randomly found them on youtube but like 
They're not on social media. I don't think there's any social media for them. Album's not on Spotify, but uh, it is on Bandcamp. I mean, you can you can hear the songs on YouTube and shit. Uh, I don't know if it's like on Amazon or iTunes or anything like that, but I mean, you, you know, I mean, all the all the albums I talk about tonight, you should go uh, pick up. But uh, yeah, this one, this one is just really, really damn good. Like, it's a fun, it's a really like fun listen. I, it has the same appeal. Like, like, don't get me wrong, they don't sound liquids. Doesn't sound like mixtapes at all. Like, I don't, I don't feel like they would be out of place on a bill together. Like, I think liquids and mixtapes could probably play a show if mixtapes was still around. Um, you know, I mean, like, like, I feel like they could fit on a bill and it would be super weird, but like, what I do think they have in a similarity is it's kind of the same appeal that made me fall in love with mixtapes is the songs are short, sweet, and simple. Like it's a bunch of songs in a short amount of time. You have a fun time listening to it, like just really, you know, really well done. So, I mean, I would definitely say, go check this out. I know they've been around for a couple years. They uh, have a few other releases out on their Bandcamp page, and like a, a good chunk of these songs were on older releases. But these are better; these are better recorded and produced versions. Um, I would definitely say I prefer these over uh, some of the older ones. But just really, really good band. I would say go check out. And uh, also, I forgot to to mention, I'll put up a Spotify playlist of uh, which again, this album's not on Spotify, so this won't help you. But uh, of everything else I play tonight. Uh, will it'll be on a Spotify playlist if you want to go check it out. But this one, go check out the whole record. But uh, three ones that I would say really step like step out or stand out, and uh, you should probably go check out first would be "Don't Want to Get to Know You." That is easily my favorite song on the record. Strutter, an amazing, amazing Kiss cover, and uh, "More Than a Friend." And like I said, that's just a really fun like punk rock record. Like you're just gonna have a fun time listening to it. It's short and sweet, like it's so many, it's so many songs in such a short amount of time, and uh, you know I like that. No, no song overstays its welcome. You know what I mean? Like it, like it's it's there and then it's gone. But uh, you, you know, in this next record, I, I said it a second ago with uh, you know liquids being released at the end of January, but uh, January first we got the dirty no with fuck art. And uh, it is no secret, my love for this record, we had uh, Luke Bentham on the show back in March, and uh, I've played this album, I've played the songs a ton on the radio show, I've talked about this record a lot on this here podcast, and uh, yeah, my favorite record of the year so far, and I mean, we're halfway through, and nothing's touched it, so I mean, I this is... This is one I would really like to see the album that would that would take its place in number one because it it would have to be a really good fucking record. Like the replacements, all of a sudden Paul Westerberg would have to be like, "Oh hey motherfuckers, like we just wrote a record and and like drop it." But uh, yeah, I I have undying love for uh, the Dirty Nil as a whole. I mean, I think they're one of the best bands doing it right now. But uh, fuck art. I mean, it's a great follow up to Master Volume. And uh, I, I really think, too, like, I've been looking forward to it. You know, it was released January 1st. And since the beginning of the year, I've been listening to it going, I think it's going to be a good summer record. And, you know, as it gets nicer out, I mean, it is kind of summer now, but, you know, it, it's finally getting nice. We really get that, like, really sunny end of June, beginning of, like, July weather. Like, it, it's a record to roll your windows down and drive around and listen to and uh, and share the riffs with uh you know with everyone but like again like with their progression like i love i love it because 
like throughout, I don't feel like any of their records sound the same. And but the progression is very natural. Like I think if you go back and listen to like Higher Power, which is now you know their, their first record and came out five years ago, like it's and it's a great record. And it's like there are songs on there that like and then it did get some radio play. But like you know you you could hear the appeal, but like, like you know like a little mass appeal where it's like oh yeah I could hear that on rock radio a little. But it's like I feel like they still which and I like that record, but it's like. You know, it, it, there were still times where I don't think it was as, as consistent and they were still kind of finding their sound. That's where I think I think the best songs, like I'll say this, like Master Volume as a whole, I think the best songs on that are ones that would have fit on uh, on Master. Or, yeah, what am I saying? Higher Power, my apology, Higher Power, their first record. I think the best songs on Higher Power would have fit on Master Volume. I, I think uh, the best ones on there... Like zombie-eyed, friends in the sky, uh, wrestle you to Husker do, like like all those ones. I feel like everything, I, every song title I just said, I th- I feel like just rhymed as I set them all together. But like songs like all those, I feel like could fit on uh on Master Volume, could have fit on the follow up. So like my fit, which you know, also look at those are my favorite ones. So obviously, I think those are ones they built upon when they did Master Volume, and uh, you know, I I think that's probably my favorite Dirty Nil record. But like with fuck art, I think it's an even it's an even more progression, and like it's even like this is probably their most overall mainstream friendly record. You know what I mean? Like I really like it, it's it's really this band has to blow the fuck up off this record. You know, Master Volume did a lot for them that did get radio play, but like this one even has more. I feel like wide commercial appeal because like this band, the highest compliment. I mean, like. I, I mean, just this record, I'll, I'll even, I won't even talk about the band in general, but I mean, just on this record, it's like, they go from sounding like the Cheap Trick to the Replacements, to Sum 41, to Husker Du, to T-Rex, to Metallica, to Green Day, like, all in one band, like, this trio goes, and like, I think one of the most impressive ones is the Metallica sound, because again, it's a trio, and I mean, they're just a fucking power, I mean, they're a true, by definition, power trio, like, they... They really, it's insane the amount of noise the three of them make. But, like, the way that all those sounds work together so well. Like, it's not like they're throwing all these genres together and it sounds really fucked up and, like, mishmashy. Like, it all works amazing. And, like, that's the other reason why I think they're just going to, they keep getting bigger, but I think really blow up to, like, where they'll be, like, you know, a household name in rock music, like, because they have the appeal where it's like the dirty nil, I feel like you could like like and I notice it just by like on like Instagram and shit. Like all all the people that I that I follow and shit who like, you know, who are from different circles of music and like different things, are different ages and shit, like different walks of life, but they all like the dirty nil. Because it's like there's if you're into classic rock, there's the classic rock vibe to them. If you're just into 90s music, there's a very 90s vibe. If you're into early 2000s pop punk, like they're, like I said, like some 41, I would say Lit. Like I was listening to Lit's A Place in the Sun uh, recently. And I mean, that, that is a great pop rock record. Like they really, Lit gets, Lit doesn't get enough credit for just being able to write really good pop rock songs. Like My Own Worst Enemy, obviously. I, to this day, I feel like it's played somewhere. It's being played on on a radio station somewhere, like every second of every day. But like that record as a whole, like that band is really good at writing hooks and really simple riffs. 
But, uh, you know, the dirty nil, like, really just has this broad, broad reach where, like, again, they sound like all these different bands. And, uh, I mean, it makes sense. When I when I talked to Luke, you know, I, mean, I wanted to talk about influence and stuff. And, I mean, he he really appreciates, he, he knows where his influence, you know what I mean? Like, he found where his roots were. You know what I mean? Like, he maybe had the bands that he started with, but he went back and found the bands that influenced them. And, uh, you know, like so on and so forth. And like really, I, I, I think that education really helps with their sound. Like, you know, they, they all the three of them know what the fuck they're doing. And uh, and also, I mean, I got to say, like Ross joined the band on Master Volume and he is on there. But I feel like he even more on this one, you hear him probably even more. And like the use, the real use of him, uh, like his backing vocals and his screams, as well as his bass playing. He's an amazing bass player. He doesn't just play fucking root notes. Like he really, he really holds it down. While, including when Luke is like soloing and stuff like that. Him and uh, Kyle are really, really strong rhythm section, which you need to have in a trio. Like you gotta, you can't hide behind. You know, the less the less people you have on that stage the less you have to hide behind. And uh, as a trio, I mean, I, I really feel, you know, even more than any other uh, configura- configuration, um, it's really important to have a solid, you know, to lock in and everything and uh, be tight with the uh, bass player and drummer. But uh, I, I think Ross being really, you know, I mean, he's been in the band now for like four years, so he's not, you know, he's kind of the new guy, but he's not really. And... Uh, you know, and Dave was great. I mean, Dave brought his own his own thing to the band. But I mean, I, I think I think anyone who would tell you it would, you know, if you listen to the Dirty Nil, I think they're very different. You know, I think what Ross brings to the table and uh, what Dave brought to the table are two very different things. But uh, while I do like Dave, I I like Ross's like what Ross uh, has brought to the table in that kind of era of the band. I think even more. And uh, yeah, I think utilizing them on here, like because you really when you look. Like, he's maybe, you know, he's not, like, co-vocalist or anything like that. Like, he's doing backing vocals, but he's, he's like, on every song. He's either doing harmonies, backups, screaming. Like, he's really being utilized, I think, I think on this uh, album more than uh, before. And I, I think that's part of what really makes it, you know, like, like again, because, like, just as a musician standpoint, I think I think they're also a musician's band where it's, like, you can appreciate them because like like Luke's riffs, I mean, are so no one's playing like that. Like like even though he's he's not even really reinventing the wheel either. Just no one's I kinda of brought this up with like Billy Zoom's playing on on uh Alphabet Land, the uh album that X put out last year. Like it's not that Billy Zoom like you know, like Billy Zoom has a very and he's an amazing guitar player, but it's like, you know, you can hear his influences like Chuck Berry and like, you know, those like classic old time rock and roll guys. And it's like, you know, Luke kind of goes back and I feel like kind of takes from the same, you know, like uh, well that Billy does, but you don't hear people doing that anymore. So it's like, yeah, you know, people have done those styles for, but you're not hearing it in music anymore. So it's like, it sounds so refreshing to hear, like to hear a guitar rock record like Fuck Art, where like every song, there's just, you know what I mean? Like there's just a riff. Every, every song has a riff in it. Like, there's fucking, like, amazing solos. There's no synth on it. You know what I mean? Like, it's a rock record. It's it's a straight-up rock record. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, in the same, you know, kind of like with, with liquids and it's like the album artwork and the name and everything just fitting so well. I mean, the same with this, I mean, calling your album fuck art and, uh, you know, the album art with the dog and everything on it and just nil in uh capital, you know, in capital letters with the pink lettering and stuff like just everything about it. I feel like, uh, just works on this. I think, I think when you wrap it all together, it's just a perfect record. And, uh, you know, and, and look at the other thing too is master volume. They did pretty well off of, it was a great record. I loved it. I feel like most people did. And, uh, you know, you got to follow that up, you know, maybe it's not your sophomore album, but you're following up an album that got you guys, you know, a decent amount of success and attention and uh, doing that, you know, sometimes can be disastrous. But with this, I think they they gave what I, I think is really just a very fucking solid, uh, you know, follow up to Master Volume, which, uh, you know, again, could could not went that way. You know, the Dirty Nil, like maybe could have came back and uh, gave us something where it's like, oh, nice try. But like maybe maybe next time. But like, no, 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 they they came back and. You know, I, I think maybe even more on Master Volume, maybe even more than they did on that with the blending of genres. And, uh, you know, and again, like finding a way to make their sound more mainstream, like in a way where I think they could appeal to a to a like mass audience, but without losing quality or integrity. Like, I feel like it's a natural progression, you know, like these are the songs they want to write. This is the sound they want to have. You know, I mean, it just it just happens that like. You do have songs like Blunt Force Concussion where I go, that should be all over fucking rock radio. Same with Doom Boy. I mean, that should be all over like rock radio. Like, you know, the, and, and I do like it because they do get embraced. You know, you may not, you may not hear them everywhere, but radio does embrace them like commercial radio. And, you know, you know, the radio doesn't always get it right. I love, I love radio, but radio doesn't always get it right. And, you know, Dirty Nil is one that uh, a lot of like alt stations and rock stations seem to get behind. And uh, that's that's really good because like that's a band. This is a band that I want to hear all over the the radio. Like I want them to play the Dirty Nil ad nauseum, where I'm like I don't want to hear that song again. Like I hope for them to get that big because they they absolutely deserve it. But uh, you know, and, and Luke too. I mean Luke. You know, again they're all they're all amazing. Kyle's an amazing drummer. Ross an amazing bass player. But uh, Luke. I mean besides the voice, goddamn a rocket of. Uh, really a rock and roll voice like a traditional rock and roll voice but like also really i mean i would i would call him a guitar god like i really i and i see i see him bleeding in like even my guitar playing like i find myself playing more kind of venturing away from just just kind of uh you know, traditional three chord stuff and kind of playing more, you know, like riffing, even if it's built off like three chords, like really riffing more and kind of, kind of blending things like, like he does. And I, I think he, uh, I know Zach, you know, my buddy Zach, who, uh, is on the show quite a bit, which shout out to him, actually huge fucking shout out to him. But, uh, the dirty nil did put out for record store day. The, uh, they put out master volume and fuck art, the cassettes, and uh, I was looking for those because I, I I do like uh, I do enjoy cassettes from time to time, and those look pretty fucking sick. And I love I love both those records. Like that's another one talking about revising my best of list. I don't remember if Master Volume was on my top ten list for uh, 2018, but I can tell you it is now my number one. Whatever album I had number one for that year, it it would now be it would now be Master Volume. You know, and I can't, I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me. Master volume very well may have been on my top 10, 
But if it was, I can tell you it was like between like 10 and 6. Where like now, a few years later, I go, no. That's like one of my favorite albums of the last like five years. But anyways, uh, Zach did find them. He did score them on Record Store Day and got them for me. So huge shout out to him. He fucking rules. And uh, I was telling him, he kind of made me sad because I, I didn't I didn't go to Record Store Day. But uh, I was telling him, you know, I started thinking about it once he messaged me and said he got him. Because, I mean, I, what, I knew it was Record Store Day, but I wasn't even planning on I mean, we have no record stores here. And, uh, you know, the closest I, I could either go to Erie and they have one store, the exchange. And, uh, you know, that that's going to be it. There's not It's going to be slim pickings. Or I could go to, like, Buffalo, which has a few uh, record stores participating. But, uh, you know, it made me sad because I started thinking about it. And the record stores, you know, I really haven't partaken in a few years now. But the, all the record stores I used to go to yearly, like every year for quite a while, I think of all closed down. Like record theater, both record theaters in Buffalo used to go there. Those are both closed now. Um, oh, man, I can't remember the name. Uh, it used to be, I think, on like Bryant Avenue. It was like right off Elmwood Street. But uh, And I bought my first Jawbreaker album. I bought Chesterfield Kings there in uh, 2013. I can't remember the name, but uh, that was always a stop. That that was always a stop. They've been gone for a few years. You know, no, no. I think they're gone. They, they relocated at one point, but I don't think they're around at all now. Um, I, I can't, I know it helps no one cause I can't remember the name, but if for some reason, if, if you can somehow from all these vague details, know what the record store I'm talking about is, I'd love to know. Cause it's really good. They mostly had punk. They had like punk and kind of like classic rock. Cause they would, they would have like old records too from like, you know, like the, like your, your standard, like, you know, from like the seventies and eighties, you go find like a Tom Petty, maybe a cheap trick, uh, you know, maybe like foreigner and sticks, things like that. But like, you know, predominantly, it, it was punk like it, it was mostly punk and it was like in a room it, you know, it was pretty small but uh yeah they're gone uh the one in jamestown here that we used to have uh good city they're they're gone and uh yeah like like all the ones from like you know eight nine years ago that uh i would go spend way too much hundreds of dollars i i've had some uh i've had some benders on record store day and uh, yeah they're all gone but uh anyway yeah shout out to uh zach for getting those for me. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to listen to Fuck Art on cassette. The way it was meant to be heard. And uh, for this one, this one is on Spotify. So you can find these three songs on uh, this week's Spotify uh, playlist for the podcast. But uh, Hang Your Moon, which is my favorite song on the album. And one of my favorite Dirty Nil songs. Blunt Force Concussion. That's one that I could hear all over the radio. And Damage Control, which, uh, you know, like I was saying... Uh, Luke deserving more credit as a guitar player. That is, that's some fucking riffing. Um, that song, that one sticks out. I feel like, and Hang Your Moon's my favorite, but I feel like Damage Control is most people's favorite. That seems to be the consensus. Like, that's the one that really sticks out. I remember when I told Zach to check out the Dirty Nil, and, uh, and Hang Your Moon was the first one. He liked it, but I think after that, the two that he said stuck out after that were Doom Boy and uh and damage control and they put out a great music video recently for damage control too so go check those out that's the other thing like you can hear those songs on the playlist but like they've also made i mean damn i think they have three or four music videos at least for uh for this album so i mean even if you just go on youtube um you can like and they make great music videos too that's what i love is like in a time where i feel like 
a lot of music videos are just live footage and shit like that. Like they've actually had some uh, really funny ones, including their Elvis 77 one, um, you know, which, which was, uh, you know, during quarantine and everything, uh, you know, they kind of made do with what they had and did a really, really good job. But uh, moving on to the next record, Tiger's Jaw, I Won't Care How You Remember Me. This one came out back in March. And uh, I, I've said it before, you know, I've never I've never hated Tiger's Jaw by any means. But, you know, they, they were never a band that I was, like, you know, paid super, like, much attention to. I'd seen them open, open live a few times for some bands. You know, like, they were okay live. I was like, you know, it wasn't terrible, but... I, I was just never one to really check out their albums or anything. I didn't really care for anything I'd really heard. You know, just one of those bands. You know, not a band that, like, I hated by any means. I'm not like, fuck this band. But I'm just like, yeah, it's whatever. You know, kind of indifferent. And uh, after hearing this album, I mean, this one really has gotten me on board. You know, and they've and funny enough, I mean, they're another one kind of like the Dirty Nil, forgetting how long they've been together. But, I mean, Tiger's Jaw has been around for 16 years now. I mean, not that they were super active, I think, in the beginning. They've definitely been more active in, like, the last, I'd say, like, decade of their career. But they've been around for a while, and I forget it because I still kind of thinking them as a young band. You know, there's just something about them that I think of them still as a young band. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're really not. But, like, but in a good way because I'm listening to this now, and I think after being around for so long, like, They've gotten really good. Like, they're a band who I think has always really been into, like, melody. And, like, even though they're kind of pop punk and, like, indie, like, they're they're still kind of, you know, you know, they kind of still dabble in that, like, you know, we, in the pop world. And uh, I think after doing it now for so long, I think they've really, like, gotten good at crafting, like, pop songs. Like, the, like this record, it's also, like, pop punk I I kind of throw them in there. I think part of that too comes from bands that they've toured with. Like I mean they 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 are kind of pop punky, but I feel like they're also like I would say more than anything in this album in particular, it's almost like an adult pop punk record, you know, like in some aspects. Like it's not super fast and raw, but the spirit's there. You know what I mean? Like there's songs where it's like, you know, that there there's beautiful melodies and and nice synths and stuff. Which, uh, you know, a lot of times I don't like music with a lot of synths or a lot of keyboard. You know, whatever. I mean, you hear music. I Not like I hate it all the time. But, like, normally not super into things where it's prominent. But it works really well, I think, on this. I think this record. And really just Tiger's Jaw. I, I think the sound of the band. Um, I think it works. It just complements with what they do. But, uh, yeah, I, I think on this album, they've gotten really good. Same with, like, harmonizing. I mean, you know, again, they've been doing it so long, but Ben and Brianna's uh, vocals just working together really, really well. They they really, in this really soft, like, like that's the thing when I was saying, too, where it's, like, almost like grown-up pop punk where it's, like, it's not abrasive vocals. It's very, like... Both are kind of soft-spoken, soft voice, but both very nice. You know, I mean, both have very nice voices. And it's like, you know, but but not super angsty, I wouldn't say. You know, it's like I don't I don't hear a lot of angst. I hear, you know, you uh, you hear the spirit of, uh, and again, like I, I highly doubt that, that any of them would consider themselves a pop-punk band or uh, call what they do pop-punk, but you you do hear the influence. I mean, I, I think they they have influences in that realm. And again, you know, I mean, I'm I've seen them open for like Yellow Card and Newfound Glory. So you know, I mean, they're uh, you know they are from within that scene. 
But this is kind of like a, a grown-up version of it. And again, like a band that I like that doesn't shy away. And, and it depends if you do it well because I don't always like this in my music. But like this where it's like they do flirt with being, you know, kind of a pop band in a lot of ways. But doing it really well. Kind of doing more indie pop. And uh, I think it works. Re- it's genuine. You know what I mean? It's not It's not forced and contrived. Like it's worked... It's worked out in a way where I feel like it's catchy because of the hook or the melody, not because it was overproduced and they're like throwing in extra shit and layering things in the studio. So it, you know what I mean? To like make it sound flashy or something like, like not in that way. Like it's poppy in ways where they know how to make, you know, they know how to get something stuck in your head. Something that you want to, you know, that you want to hear and you want to hear stuck in your head. And Brianna's voice too, like, uh, you know, I think it's a highlight of the band, like her, I think that was one of the first things that really got me, like, as I was listening to to this record and kind of going into it where it's like, all right, I like, you know, like, like I know of them. It's like, they're okay. Like I'll, I'll give it a listen. And, uh, I, I think as, as it kind of broke in, I think, uh, track two she's on. And, uh, I, I think right away that was kind of the one that, that I was like, oh, okay, like this is Cat's Cradle. Cat's Cradle is uh, track two, and uh, one of my favorite songs on the album. But like, yeah, once I heard that, and I like heard her voice and everything. What works really well too is her voice with the piano lines. Like again, not always big on piano and synth, but her vocal melodies with her piano lines underneath it are very like you know she'll do a lot of not even play a lot of chords. She'll kind of go note for note, almost playing her vocal melody on the keys. Um, you know, you know, underneath her vocals and it just, it sounds beautiful. Like it's this really, again, like really nicely done, you know, like, like indie pop, indie rock, pop punk, you know, alternative rock. Like, I don't know, whatever, whatever genre, subgenre you want to throw on it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just really good music, you know, but I do think you hear a band who's just progressed over the years. And I, and I think, uh, you know, they've matured with the music. And again, like, I don't know how old they are or how old they were when they started the band. But like, you know, they were they were probably teenagers when they started in like 05. And I think they're all like in their 30s now. And, you know, it's like you, you, you kind of grow up with it, you know, or or you hope you hope you grow up. You know, you hope you don't you weren't writing the same songs you were when you were a teenager or in 2005. And uh, I, I think this was just such a big a step up. I mean, and I, I do. I've had people tell me I got to go back and listen to their other stuff because I don't think it's so much a case that their old stuff's not good. I think this was exceptionally good. I think they really outdid themselves on this record. But uh, I think I just got to go give the uh, older stuff a chance again. You know, I, I just don't think I gave it, a, I guess, a fair enough shot or at the time. You know, the other thing, too, is there's just times where there's so many bands that, that I love that there were times where I listened to. Tom Waits, I, I love Tom Waits now, but there's been times in my life where I heard him. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I couldn't. I'm like, who would like this? What is this? Like, I, I totally thought that at one point in my life. And now I fucking love Tom Waits. I think, I think he's a huge talent. So, you know, I think it's just kind of one of those uh one of those things, but just really good. I kind of, another thing too, is like just non-pretentious indie rock. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of indie rock from a band who like will play the warp tour or will play with newfound glory and shit, you know, just really good band. I, I would say the top three on this one would be cat's cradle hesitation and lemon mouth that uh, you can go here on that, a uh, playlist, which is up now. 
But uh, we're going to keep moving on here. I got a few few more records for you. This one is my second favorite of the year. I talked about it on the uh, May rundowns just a few episodes ago. But uh, Pardoner with Came Down Different. I mean, this just came out May of... Uh, I mean, this album's been out like a little under a month. I don't think it's been a full four weeks that it's been out. But uh, this record, another one just randomly finding. Okay, so... I found this band while uh, getting together, I think, either the March or April rundown for the podcast. I I was looking up what albums were released that month, and I happened to see, uh, you know, I've brought up album artwork a few times now, but, like, which really is a testament. Like, you know, I mean, album artwork shouldn't be the only thing. Obviously, the music needs to be good. There's tons of great records with terrible album covers, but, like, a good album cover will at least draw you in. You know what I mean? From there, the music has to has to be able to kind of stand on its own, but like it can at least draw you in. And with partner, I saw their, uh, single for bunny's taxi and, uh, the album art, the, the single art for it. And it was just really like, Oh, what's this? Like, it looked like right up my alley. I'm like, Oh, I got to check this out. And I did. It ended up being really, really good. Another one where the, the aesthetic and like the, the, like, you know, the look, the, the artwork and stuff fit the music. You know what I mean? It wasn't one of those things where it's cool artwork, shitty music. It's cool artwork, cool music, you know, and really cool band. I mean, this is really, it's like, I I really just like to dumb it down. I'd say it's like stoner 90s indie rock, like at its best. Like this is Dinosaur Jr. It's, uh, you know, I mean, you, you hear, uh, you, you could definitely hear some like Husker Du. I know that's 80s, but like. Husker Du and Sugar and just kind of Bob Mold, you know, anything kind of Bob Mold on it. And, uh, you know, even even newer band-wise, I, w- I would say Culture Abuse, you know, I, I feel like there is a Culture Abuse vibe that, uh, which, I mean, they're also from San Francisco. But, I mean, th- this, this album, like I said, it's been out for a little under a month, and, I mean, it's already, like, the second favorite of the year. It, it, it's, it's hitting me just like Fuck Art, where it's like, I find myself listening to it. If I don't listen to the album front to back every day, I at least listen to one or two songs a day off of it. You know, I, I see this. I see, and that's the thing too is like this band. I don't think has a huge like. The, you know, you're not going to hear them on top forty radio, but this is a band that I see getting a big cult following. Where like if you're a if you're a fan of that, like like I could see them going over really well at Riot Fest. Or, you know, any kind of fest like that where it's, like, people are really into, like, you know, like, 90s alt-rock and shit like that. You know, Sebado, uh, again, Dinosaur Jr., you know, anything like Lou Barlow, uh, you know, anything like that. Like, I see them I see them having a really good, you know, on both ends. I think that and then also a younger crowd because they're just really, they're doing something cool. Like, they really, what I like about this album and their songs, too, is, like, they take you, they have one song called Spike. And I mean, there's tons of examples of this on the record, but I'll use Spike as one of them. It's a great song. And musically, it's very interesting. Like it goes in directions you don't expect. Like they do a lot of things on here where you go, you think you know where the song's going. You think you know what the chord progression's going to be, but you don't. Like you really fucking don't. And sometimes you forget it. Sometimes you'll, you've listened to the album a bunch and you'll still be like, Oh shit. Like I forgot about this or that, you know, like just really, really amazing. Like, like I love that. I love something that keeps you interesting or, you know, like interested in it like that. It's not, 
you know, it, it's kind of the con. It's it's the other side of that. Like I said, how I love short, simple, and sweet. There are short, simple, and sweet songs on this album, but there's also ones where you know it is a little more complex and it does go different places. And uh, I love those as well. You know, like, like I think I think that's a I think that's a really uh, strong point of this record that they really go just different even right away actually even even on the first song donna said like that one even from the beginning kind of goes in a few places where you're like oh fuck i didn't see it going there and all of a sudden it just takes you there you know they kind of remind me of like a heavier arches of loaf you know because arches of loaf including post icky metal i feel like got pretty experimental on songs and there's songs on icky metal where like they go places you don't think they were gonna go and uh I really feel like Partner definitely has that. You know, Arches of the Loaf is another one I would definitely say I get a strong vibe of. You know, that another band where it's like that 90s vibe, you know, but also done really well. We're just like with Liquids, it's not a novelty of its time. You know, you go, oh, it sounds like they listen to a lot of 90s like indie rock, but they don't sound like a novelty of it. You know, they are they are their own band. They are their own sound. And like, you know, just really like, like another one, just really no band sounds like them right now. It's like they, they really, they're just a good, they're a good another, they're not as riff, they're not as riff heavy as say like the Dirty Nil, but like still some really interesting guitar work, like some really, some really cool stuff. I think one of the best things they do, you know, obviously it's kind of attributed to the Pixies, but like the whole quiet, loud, quiet format, like just that whole thing. And, and you know, you can also flip that around to loud, quiet, loud. Like, just either they're very good at that. They're very good with dynamics. There's, like, there's one song, Lucky Day, where, like, it goes from sounding, I'd say, like, the Velvet Underground. Most of the song reminds me of the Velvet Underground. And then just goes in this fucking crazy part where, like, I mean, I would say it doesn't sound too off of, like, Every Time I Die. Like, in the same song goes from, like, Velvet Underground to Every Time I Die. And works. And also works. But, like, like I and that's, again, with predictability, it's like, yeah, you can hear it kind of building up. Like, you th- you're waiting for something. You know it's not going to sound like a real quiet song the whole time. But they hit you in a way it doesn't go where you think it would go. And I think even after hearing it a few times you still like you're you're not resolved with it like you're still like oh shit like i can't believe it went there but like it it just does like the whole album like keeps you on your feet every song has its own personality too that's what i like like it doesn't get redundant it's a fun listen like you know and songs will go weird places but i would say for the most part it never gets boring you know what i mean like there's very few and look if I really want to be nitpicky, I'm sure there's parts where I go, all right, maybe you can cut out this experimental part or this or that. Like you can cut some of the fat, but like overall they keep it interesting. So like even though they're not straight to the point songs, maybe some of them there is some, you know, maybe maybe they do take you different places. You enjoy it, you know. It it doesn't it doesn't get boring. So I mean this is like I said, I mean this is my second favorite album of the year. I, I strongly suggest this one. But uh, three really strong songs on it. Money's Taxi, Fuck You, and uh, I Want to Get High to the Music. And uh, all, all of those are kind of good examples of like, like Bunny's Taxi, I feel like is a good example of the more kind of uh, going different places, doing different things, being experimental. And then less song like I Want to Get High to the Music is like them kind of being like, like that song I think is less than two minutes. 
and it's just really catchy and just a really fun like just like like I said like stoner like indies you know like 90s stoner indie rock kind of like you know just done really well really simple like you know kind of repeating you know guitar riff and stuff and just really really good I I really enjoy this one and uh you know I I've fallen in love with it really fast I was excited though after I heard Bunny's Taxi and I heard a couple other songs I couldn't wait for the whole thing to come out and uh it did not disappoint so definitely go check that one out got a couple more here for you glitter with a uh, life is not a lesson this one came out back in February and uh, this is obviously Ned's uh, from Title Fight, his post-Title Fight band. And, I mean, my whole thing about this, I don't know tons of people listen to Title Fight, so I don't know what everyone, you know, I don't I don't know what majority thinks. But, like, look at if we can't have Title Fight, I think this is a good consolation prize. This is his second record that he's put out under Glitter, and uh, both have been really, really solid and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'll bring up Husker Du again, but like, you know, which I, I think is probably a big uh, influence on him. I feel like you hear in the music, but like, this is kind of sugar. You know what I mean? If Title Fight was Husker Du, this is Ned Sugar. And it's like, and I mean that in the way too, not just that it's like his post, you know, like his big man, then he goes to another one, but like, it's not exactly the same. You know what I mean? It's just like Sugar's not Husker Du. But it's still that same guy. You know what I mean? Like there are similarities where you're like there's there's a personality or there's attributes to Bob Mould that like no matter if it's Solo or Sugar or Husker Du, you kind of know Bob Mould wrote it. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, it's the same thing here with Ned's stuff where it's like even if it's not title fight, there's some songs on here where you go, oh, yeah, like like you could see – you could definitely see like like there's a song Try Harder, really really good song, and I think that could have been a title fight song if it was reworked musically. Like it's a little more stripped back, so like I kind of feel like if it, it's almost like what a title fight song probably would start like stripped back before they made it really you know like heavy and uh, yeah. So I mean you you can hear it, but it doesn't sound straight up uh, like title fight. Like definitely not. You know what I mean? Like that, that goes for all glitter. Like. There's things about it that I think you hear just because it's the same person writing the songs, but he did, you know, definitely way more poppy. But as poppy as Ned's gonna get, it's kind of it's kind of like I've talked about a couple times on here with bands where like it's like indie pop, you know what I mean? It, it is kind of weird and a little more rough around the edges than you know your traditional pop music. It's not really top forty pop, but like. You know, un- underneath underneath everything you do hear, it's like rough around the edges pop. You know, you do hear some really good melodies. You do hear some really catchy stuff. Um, I would say a huge thing, too, Ned's bass playing sticks out in uh, Glitter in a way that it never did in Title Fight. You know, and not, not to say that he wasn't a good bass player in that band, but he's playing more just punk rock bass and playing a lot more like, you know, root notes and shit. Where on this... Their songs or his bass lines are like the driving force of the song. Um, there's one, I can't remember the name of the song. It's not on this one. It's on the first Glitter record, but it's like one of the best songs on it. And it's like, it's basically just him and and bass. And I don't think there's any other instrument. I just think it's vocal and bass. And like, I love it. Like, it's so, it's so different. You don't hear things like that. Like, it's very... 
you know, it's really good. And again, like I, I hope his fans aren't giving him shit for doing different things. Cause I really like seeing this side of him. I like seeing him write melodies like this. I like seeing him, his bass again, like his bass playing, he's really showing his chops in a way that he never did before, you know, which I, I think is, uh, is very cool. I also think it's cool too. Cause like there is, there is a, like, there's kind of a nineties vibe. I know, I know I keep bringing up nineties, but I love fucking music that sounds like it's from the nineties, but like title fight always kind of had that. I feel like glitter does, but I feel like they take from different bands. You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like his influences are still kind of from the same era, but like, like this one sounds much more like Pinkerton era Weezer than, uh, than you would, you would ever hear from like his old stuff. You know, I, I think it's interesting though, that I feel like it still comes from the same era, just different bands, you know, just, just different bands. That's all. But, uh, I really, I, I think too, once he kind of gets it detached, you know, detached from title fight, I think he'll take a few more releases. I, I still think people, even me, I, I mean, look at, I, I keep mentioning, you know, title fight and you just can't help it. You know, if you're talking about Ned right now, but like, you know, I, I think at some point maybe he'll shed it enough where you're not going to think about, about that part of his career or, you know, associated with that. And I think, Glitter on its own, I think will will do. I think very well. You know, I think he's still a new. You know, even though he has the two albums out, I think he's still in a part. You know, like in a phase with this, where like the people who know, you know, he's not he's not huge, so like he's not known just off the name Glitter. So a lot of people who know him know him from his other stuff. Where I think once he kind of keeps going out there, playing shows, releasing music it'll get to a point where people don't even think of his old stuff. They won't think of him being a part of a band. It'll be like, Oh no, it'll be, you know, it'll be glitter. It'll be, that will be his band. You know, it won't be his new band. It will just be his band, you know, but a really, really good album. Uh, the three songs I would say on this one, didn't want it fire and a little backwards glance. All really, really good. You can go check those out on the playlist. And, uh, I got one more for you here before I, uh, before I'm all done. And uh, that is Assertion with Intermission. This one came out in uh, April of good old 2021. And uh, this is this is another one. I am a fool for trios. And this is another solid trio lineup where it's it's just three guys making so much noise. Um, just a really good rock record. Um, the biggest one with this, I, I've played stuff off this on the, uh, I think the April Rundown we played something. And uh, I've definitely talked about them. But uh, William Goldsmith of uh sunny day real estate and the foo fighters and a whole lot more uh he is the drummer in this band and he isn't he isn't drum for a while this is kind of his like return to music after a while but uh you know it's kind of like the big thing with the band you know you know he, he's back in and everything but uh i really really good you know it, it's again it's one of those things where it's like oh okay you'll check it out because like oh it's william goldsmith like fuck yeah but like that only holds so much merit the music has to be good and uh they really this is a really solid record, and uh, you know I don't I don't know as far as drumming goes if you if William was drumming month much uh, you know like when he wasn't playing in bands and stuff like I said kind of his return, but like he has some really good like really some highlights like his his drumming outside of just being you know from familiar bands his drumming is a huge highlight on this album I mean just really like driving rock drums, you know, that's what I love about it is like it's emo influenced rock. You know, it has, 
it has this, you know, you get the sunny day real estate and the Foo Fighters connection, obviously. And, uh, you know, the, the other two guys in the band, um, you know, I, I know they've been in a bunch of other bands too and stuff. They're not really a super group, but it's like, you know, they're all older musicians and, you know, this isn't their first band or anything like that. And I, I think this is just three really good musicians who wrote like a rock record, but kind of come from that like emo punk world. So it's like, you know, again, it's a rock record, but it has this like kind of indie vibe to it, kind of like punk vibe, like, you know, again, like sunny day real estate emo kind of, you know, thing where it's like, it's very cool. You know, it, it comes from, it comes from a different place and just sounds really unique. But at the end of the day, it's just a really fun record with like really good, like, you know, as a trio, it's like, there's just some really good riffs on it. Um, you know, the drums are just really, really solid and, uh, some really cool bass lines too. Like, like that's what I love. I think as a trio too, a lot of times things will pop out more because you're competing with less stuff, you know, like you'll hear a really good guitar part because there's not two guitars, you know, it's not, it's not two guitars dueling for your attention. It's just one. And then same with the bass where it's like, you know, there, there's not a, there's not a wall of guitars, you know, drowning out the bass. Like you can, you can hear prominent bass lines and, you know, where he's kind of like noodling around on the fretboard and stuff and, you know, kind of moving around. Like you can hear all that. And I think it, uh, I think it all really makes for a really like fun record. The only, the only thing I will say about this, I would say my only real complaint about the record is, uh, the songs definitely could be shorter. I will say this album is nine songs and 42 minutes which uh, is quite different from uh, Liquids with uh, 27 songs in, like, I think 42 minutes. You know, the, there's quite a difference there. It, it's just, I think, again, they're, they're good songs. I think there are a few where I go, you probably could shave off a minute or two. But, like, outside of that, like, really, really good. I, I see them being, like, I will say, though, some of the longer parts and some of the parts that I would probably even argue, like, oh, you should cut out off the album – I think in a live setting would be really cool to hear them jam on some of these songs and some of the longer parts, um, I think would be really, really cool. Like I, and I'm really, I'm really hoping that they're going to tour off of this record. Cause I see them, I see them being a really solid live band again. Cause, cause too, they've, they've all been doing it for a very long time in other bands and you know, they're all seasoned musicians where, I think a live show, I, I, I get the feeling too, just listening to this album, that they could replicate it live. You know, there's not a lot of overdubs and stuff. It's a very, you know, just very rock record made by a trio kind of album, you know, which obviously I'm a fool for, you know, if you're listening to my list of uh, albums that I'm loving this year. But uh, yeah, I, I see them being a really, really uh, a good live band. And it's great to hear William Goldsmith playing again too, you know, someone who's been in so many iconic bands it's uh you know it's a waste to not have him making music and uh and like i said too like he his drumming is a great part of this record it's not just oh what does he contribute well he's that guy from sunny day real estate and foo fighters like i mean no like his drumming is actually an integral part of the record and actually i mean the first song on the album down into the depths which is one of the best songs on the album uh opens up with an amazing uh uh drum beat really really good stuff so uh, really good anthemic songs too, and I would almost say I don't know the vocalist's name. Uh, my apologies, I don't know. I don't know his name off the top of my head. But I Bob Nana vibes I get. He kind of sounds like Bob Nana, which I really like. And again, it kind of goes where I said like emo influence rock, 
kind of like with like a Hey Mercedes or something where it's like kind of rock music that has that like, yeah, we listen to Fugazi and stuff kind of vibe to it. So I, I really, really enjoy it. Go check this one out. Um, I would say three songs off this one, Down Into the Depths, really good album opener, uh, Defeated and Pushed to the Limit, all really, really good. And uh, those songs, as well as all the other ones I mentioned tonight, minus Liquids, that one sadly is not on Spotify, uh, at least yet. When it is, I'll start putting those songs on playlists. But everything else is on this week's Spotify playlist. And uh, yeah, that is our episode. That is the best albums of 2021 so far it is uh you know obviously not all the you know lots of other good things have been released this year whether it is uh singles other albums eps live stuff uh, a couple good compilations but uh, i thought i'd talk about full lengths but let me know what are your favorite and it doesn't have to be full lengths it can be any any just new music released this year but powercordhour at gmail.com I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you've been listening to this year, what your favorites are, and uh, what you think will probably be on your top ten. You know, I mean, there's still time for new records to come out, and uh, you know, knock some of knock some of your favorites off your list and everything. But you know, six months in, you can at least kind of, you know, like the dirty nil. I said, like, there's it's going to take a lot to take that out of number one. Like, I could see me being naive, maybe the first month or two. Being like, like even partner, like I said, that's my second favorite, but it's like, it is still new. So I'm like, damn, like, I wonder if I'll still feel this way in a couple months and we'll, and we'll find out. But like, you know, like fuck art now, I felt that way for so long. It's safe to say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep feeling that way. But uh, yeah, I, I'd love to know what you think is going to end up on your top 10, what you're loving so far and uh, all that power cord hour at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, and if you want to follow us online, we're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at PowerCordHour. That is our handle on all social media. If you go follow us, uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast if you would. That is a great way to support the show as well as uh, spreading the word, telling your friends about the show. That's also a huge help. Word of mouth is a, is a huge, huge thing. So I do appreciate that. But yeah, follow us. Go check out the playlist so you can hear the music that I talked about. You heard me talk about the music. Now go hear the music on our uh, Spotify page. And uh, also the uh, radio show, every a new radio show every Friday night, 10 to midnight Eastern on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. And uh, you can listen to that online, WRFALP.com, and hit the big old streaming button on the website, and you can listen to that. And uh, yeah, that is the episode for this week. And uh, I don't know. We'll have a new one next week. I don't know who the guest will be, but uh, tune back in. And if you haven't checked it out since uh, we did just release it yesterday, so it is still pretty new. You basically got like uh, almost like getting two new episodes this week. But uh, we just did a bonus PCH episode with uh, Kyle, my buddy Kyle, who's on all the time. And uh, we just talked about Take Off Your Pants and Jacket for uh its 20th anniversary you know we didn't we didn't do our normal like track by track analysis or anything like that though we did end up talking about every track though we didn't mean to but uh yeah much shorter than like one of those this this is like a 90 minute episode instead of like a four hour episode or a two-parter but uh i i had a blast talking to him and uh, that just came out yesterday so if you're a blink 182 fan go listen to that if you're not a fan uh still go listen to it because i could use the uh i could use the listeners but yeah that is that is it. We'll have a new one next week for you next Monday, so tune back in. Until then, though, for the Power Court Hour, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.